Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the Zero Mission car lot, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If what? you can drink... You interrupted my intro. I did interrupt your intro. Wait, why did this, it... This is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership, and you get a really cool membership certificate. Listen to the end credits for more information on how to join. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Albert. This is Don. And uh, the Inflation Reduction Act that Joe Biden just signed has $3 billion in it for buying zero-emission trucks for the post office. So I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and predict. Well, let me give the odds, okay? Either spending this $3 billion is just going to destroy inflation. It's going to go down to nothing. Or it's going to have no change whatsoever. So that's... That's my economic there's, feedback. There's going to be an awful lot of uh, UPS, USPS trucks for sale on the aftermarket. Yeah. As they douse the uh, oil-burning, gas-guzzling fleet for this marvelous well, I mean, electrical you, charge. You brought thing. up a thing. Uh, today is a, uh, they put out a heat wa- uh, advisory here in Excessive Las Vegas. heat warning. Yeah, an excessive heat warning. That so, usually means it's going to be about over 110. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, in the shade. Yeah. So uh, the postal trucks are just going to be great when everybody is running their air conditioning. And uh, they go, hey, go deliver the mail. And go, hey, uh, we don't have any electricity because it's all in the air conditioners. I have, it on, I have it on good authority that each of these trucks will be equipped with a little generator to charge the truck while they're delivering. Oh, it. so the person could like pedal while it while they, no, no, know. it's a gas generator. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You put in a gas, yeah, so, so that you can charge the vehicle because the the charge doesn't last the whole day. So ah. yeah, you've got to be able to. What kind of authority is that? You're a good authority. Uh, Well, uh, my authority stems from the fact that I have a membership for a lifetime on this podcast. 
Oh, <laughs> that certificate. You paid your ten bucks. Yeah, that certificate alone. So not only are you a certified stamp uh, podcaster, right? Podcaster. <laughs> but when I get but pulled over, I present that certificate to the officer. <laughs> oh yeah. Still writes you up, doesn't he? <laughs> I tried it too. Which, by the way, at the uh, gas, G-A-S-S, gas, Great American Stamp Show in Sacramento, we had several uh, listeners come up and thank us for the podcast and compliment us. And two people gave us uh, 10 bucks right there and joined the podcast. And, you know, I love getting the feedback from the people. So uh, Albert said we uh, need to get some more stamp related things no that's what a customer came to yeah. up to the booth and asked for he, he actually said he really enjoyed the programs that we've had i'm getting getting more out of your your expertising dollar yeah. so what we're going to do is not this podcast but maybe the next podcast we're going to go in depth into lithograph printing and just hit it really super, super hard. This sounds more like something that you do when you have insomnia. <laughs> you listen to this podcast. <laughs> this will be the, the insomnia podcast. We will talk about a lithograph process. Okay. Yeah. I, so, like the, I like the engraved stamps myself. I'm not real high on the lithograph process. Oh, man. That's... that's uh, that's going. That that'll probably be another one. We'll we'll talk about uh, how people engrave pieces of metal and go really really in depth. You know what tools they use and what I you know the magnifying glasses that they wear over their eyes. We can like spend fifteen minutes just discussing that. Yeah, the childhood experiences of the engravers. Oh yeah, I mean, that's going to be really really interesting. I'm sure. Seems like seems like you had a podcast one time where the train was pulling up to the station and the guy was at the desk working on a repairing a stamp or something. Oh yeah, that that was uh yeah. I had the little uh intro stories. Right. I put those up every so often when I have a good idea for one. Well, I'd like to say that um at the gas this past week uh I was viewing the number 1 number 2 exhibit which was the 1847 issue. And there was a older gentleman who was a new collector and he collected a thematic, uh, I think it was Farmers of America. And so he didn't really know about philately and you know the beginning of stamp collecting and stuff. So we had a chance to go through that exhibit and show what an engraved plate looked like, mm. you know, because they had the big multiples there and how every position was a little different. So you could, because they were all hand-entered, so you could actually plate the thing. I didn't get into the specific of they were unable to plate it till they found the, <laughs> the uh, what were the, the proofs? Yeah, the sheets. proof plate, the proof sheets. Yeah, but they were able to show the differences in the positions yeah. by that. And um, so it was a very interesting thing. He, I think he enjoyed it because he was learning something about the hobby from a different perspective. Because really? he was looking for that one particular issue. So he wanted proofs and he wanted 
uh, artist conceptions and those kinds of things to add to his collection. And I said, well, good luck with that, you know, because <laughs> that's going to take a lot of work to do. Well, there was an exhibit called Timber Mania. Uh-huh. And in the beginning, I thought it was all about uh, forestry and uh, how they chop down trees. It turns out timber is like another word for stamp. Yep. So uh, that, was the, that was the exhibit that won the Champion of Champions. Yeah, it was Vince, Champion of Champions. Vince King's exhibit. And uh, the cool thing was is that they, he had, and, you know, obviously he has a sense of humor like me, but he has the first stamp album. And it was a book. And it had a bunch of U.S. number 11s, the 1851 to 57 issue, just glued onto the cover. And it was like, see, they saved the stamps. This is a stamp album. And, I mean, the book was, you know, I, I, I don't even remember what the book was about, but it was not about stamps. It was, <laughs> it was a school primer book. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah it, was something, it was something that had writing, it's like school lessons in it. But he used the he used the inside inside front cover to put to paste uh, to paste number 11s on it. Yep. So he, that was in there is a first stamp album, and uh, he, there was a lot of really interesting little things there. Um, he had like a uh, music sheet. There's a and I want to try to find this. I want to find somebody. It's called Stamp Polka. And it was written in the 1860s, and he had the sheet there, and it had, you know, number 65s and number 63s, the one cent and the three cent, and then in the corners it had blackjacks. <laughs> and it, it was all printed, and it was called the Stamp Polka. So I want to try to find this. Well, it was written in the 1860s, and the stamps were current stamps at that time. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was it didn't have real stamps. It had, no, I understand, yeah. but what I'm saying is, is that would be you would think that's what he would be writing about yeah. because he put the current stamps on there, and so that does date it. And he also had an exhibit of all the the first stamp albums. Yeah, he with had the, with the pages. Yeah, he had what he said was the first stamp album and he had it there and by the way the interesting thing about this is if you've ever been to an exhibit they have these exhibit frames and the frames fits 16 pages 16 eight and a half by 11 pages and then it's got a acrylic top to it and the front lifts up folds up on hinges then you put everything in there and then you fold it down and screw it into place so you can't lose anything he had like this acrylic holder thing that flips over onto the top of it. And so he could put, you know, the normal frame holds covers and envelopes and uh, stamps. He was putting really thick stuff in this. So he had this extra acrylic, I don't know, sort of sleeve that went on the front of the frame so that he could put this really thick stuff inside of it. And when you walked up, you saw, you know, stuff sticking out of the frame. And oh, it was yeah. very interesting. I had never seen that before. I mean, th he deserved the CFC, Champion just, of Champions. Just, just for designing the frame. Yeah. yeah. And that was within the rules of the competition? Well, obviously it was because yeah. they were there. <laughs> they accepted it. Yeah. 
So uh, let's see. Other than that, um, everybody bought stuff. I assume everybody bought stuff. Yeah, I think Don, uh, Don got a Mustang cover because they had the pony car first day ceremony. Yes. <laughs> you Mustang get, 302, boss. You yeah. didn't get the car, though, did you? Just the cover. Yeah, just yeah. just the cover. They had a couple of them, uh, the pony cars on exhibit there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so. seemed, it seemed like the show was uh, a really great success for cover dealers and cover collectors. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, had, a, I had a tough time finding material buying just U.S. singles. Well, one of the things, from a numbers standpoint, they probably had 50, at least 25, but somewhere between 25 and 50 less stamp dealers. They had all the service people all the time. They hip stamp. We were right next to hip stamp, as a matter of fact. Um, Hip stamp, all the expertizing services, all the auction houses, you know. All, all that stuff, everybody was there. Societies. Societies were there. Gary and Bobby were there. Uh, you know, but there were a lot of people missing just who, like, bring their stocks to shows and sell stamps. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was interesting. And I don't know. Well, I do know. It was because, you know, it's expensive. Yeah. How much were the booths for a regular dealer? Uh, what was it? Fourteen fifty, I think. Fourteen hundred and fifty. That doesn't include the uh, hotel rooms, which are quite expensive nowadays. Which were one hundred and seventy a night. Yeah, one hundred seventy. So you got one hundred seventy per person there after that, and then you have moving your stuff. Now I have an old beater car, so all I had to do is pay gas, gas, gas to get the gas. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so uh, is that a dad joke, Don? I, I would be putting the crickets on at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's a cricket joke. <laughs> yeah, that's cricket worthy. So let's see. Uh, Sean, my son, he flew up on Friday night, stayed Saturday, and flew out Sunday. Uh, interesting. I'm going to wait to see what gets back, but the youth ex- exhibitions stuff. It was done very different, and uh, I'll talk about that next time, because uh, it was it was odd, and he got kind of angry because there was no judges to give him judge feed, feedback on his exhibit, and so he actually got one of the other philatelic judges to go over and critique his exhibit and give him his comments. So he did get some feedback, though. Yeah, but it wasn't... It I'm, wasn't I'm, a junior. I'm using my finger quotes. It wasn't official feedback. Right, right. So... I was going to say that um, the big hit that I could see was the dollar cover uh, booths and the 25-cent oh. stamps and covers. We went to town. Well, tell them the stuff you found. Well, and and they will tell them what Jim Forty. Well, got. I was gonna say, we we need to give a big kudo to Jim Forty, who should forever be known as the dollar cover box king. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He went he went through the boxes, and of course Jim 
has a wide range of philatelic knowledge, foreign, domestic, first day covers, things like that. But uh, he, he found in the dollar boxes, he found, I think, six silver rounds. Yeah. It, that are that were attached to covers. Yeah, it's like a first day cover, and it's got a little coin over on the side. Got like a those are sterling eight silver. Tenths, eight yeah. tenths of sterling silver, eight tenths of an ounce. Yeah, eight tenths of an ounce, eighty-eight in the dollar in the dollar box. Right. So each one is about fifteen dollars just in silver melt. Yeah. Then, um, he there was a letter in there that had a uh, printed, you know, Herbert Hoover. President Hoover deal that was like in the early 60s. So it was obviously after he was president, and it had the uh, printed on Frank. But when he opened the letter, it had a signed letter from the president and the former president in the letter, which is, I don't know, probably over $100 anyway. How about this? It's over a dollar. Yes. <laughs> it's more well, than a dollar. Yeah. yeah. But we, we ended up... Uh, going through those boxes and um, there were some there were some fines in there oh yeah it was fun because, because you know we were uh, we were stuck at the PSE table professional stamp experts had a table there and so we would get these dollar boxes bring them over and just go through the dollar boxes when we were bored at the table yeah and, and we were able to pull things out that I bought 115 one dollar covers yeah yeah, and I, I probably bought two hundred. <laughs> yeah, so it, but we we had fun doing it, and we found some value in doing it. Um, the one of the guys that I know had a thirty cent stamp box mm-hmm. worldwide. Anything in the boxes was thirty cents, so it's not priced. It's just it's on a card and it gives the Scott number, and um, on the first day he sold fifteen hundred. Dollars, <laughs> almost five thousand <laughs> thirty cent stamps. Yeah. So, you know, he paid for his booth over just with that. Well, that's especially an- when you consider in the thirty cent stamp box is probably stuff he didn't pay for. Yeah. It came with other stuff, you know. Well, that's one of the things you know we were talking about booth cost. Um, if you sell nothing over a dollar, then you get a reduced fee right um pse got a reduced fee we didn't pay the full price because we sold nothing Nothing. we had literally nothing for sale um except and i shouldn't say this because somebody's going to write in and say hey can i get that at the bottom of one of our box that had all the show supplies we had i found six copies of the third book of secrets the color one and uh, one of the one of the people said, "Oh, I gotta have one. I gotta." And I charged them fifteen bucks. We can't replace them for fifteen bucks. They cost more than fifteen bucks to print now because of all the paper uh, costs. So we did actually sell a fifteen dollar item at our table. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the state uh, tax board doesn't hear this. Well, we we sold it as a loss, so there's no tax. Uh, well, no, 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 because sales tax is on the uh, purchase price, not on whether or not you made a profit or not. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, you, okay, yeah. The sales tax is still. Yeah. So no, there, there was an auction there also by Skylar Rumsey, and uh, Albert attended a lot of it. 
And uh, so what were the prices? Because I noticed, you know, what I saw, but you were actually there. They were very, very strong in general. I mean, there were, they were very, very strong in general. Um, they had, uh, uh, I had Gary Posner complain because there was a number 34 in the Alan Parsons sale that had, uh, that had no gum. It had, a, it had a PF certificate, but it also had been reperforated and it was just fine. And the stamp brought around $24,000 before the 18% uh, buyer's premium. Yeah. And Gary had one in his stock that was priced at, I think, eight or $10,000. <laughs> that was in better condition. It's about the same stamp, oh, yeah. but it was, but it was a. But what Gary doesn't know is that the stamp actually did open at about five or six thousand dollars. It was just bid up on the web. I, I heard complaints from everybody. Well, Mark, why don't why don't you tell your experience? Uh, I actually lucked out on the uh, in the auction. Um, I bought a uh, a seven cent special printing. Um, Catalog value four thousand, and I got it for twenty four hundred, which kind of shocked me. And I bought a, uh, I bought a revenue, uh, an imperf revenue R three A, catalog value eighteen hundred. I got it for three hundred. So I actually spent more at the auction than on the show floor. Yeah. Uh, in those two stamps. Yeah, it was it was really strange. It was very hard to buy anything on the show floor in stamps. Yeah. I mean, the the, the biggest purchase I made is I bought a four dollar Colombian that I hope is OG. Scott said it was OG to the own, the previous owner, so I bought it with the idea that it, it would get a clean cert. But that was the only real thing I bought. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the things that you're going to see if we are going into sort of a inflationary spiral versus a recessionary spiral is you're going to see good stuff disappear from the market. People are going to buy it up. And I think we're seeing that. We're not seeing the recession side where people are cutting back and so uh, the dealers have higher inventories. Their inventories are increasing. I think their inventories are decreasing. Uh, uh, particularly, you know, they definitely decreased uh, for dollar covers, because one thing you didn't mention was that Jim Forty bought about, I'm going to say, well, two banker boxes filled with $1 covers. Yeah. I mean, hundreds 5, and 000, hundreds. 5,000 plus covers. Yeah, just bought hundreds and hundreds of covers. Sean bought uh, 800 sub, uh, submarine covers. He's going to put those on eBay and try to make some money. Yeah, he thought he got a great deal on that. Yeah, he probably did. Uh, mathematically, um, well, first of all, for Navy covers, the best sellers are battleships, then carriers, and then submarines. Um, he bought the submarine covers. He bought 800 of them. The average price was about 33 cents each. He's going to put them up for $5, so he needs to sell about... 40 of them out of 800 he needs to sell about 40 of them to cash out and then once he sells that many you know then you reduce the price and down to like 250 or three dollars sell whatever else because submarine covers are popular first of all because you have the early submarines then you have the missile submarines and they're all named after people. Battleships are named after states. 
but they're popular because they're battleships. Carriers are named after a bunch of stuff. But submarines are all uh, named after people. So you have like the SS, USS Abraham Lincoln or the USS just, you know, Thomas Jefferson, all that. And the people who collect Lincoln stuff will buy the submarine covers because it's cool. So uh, we'll see, he'll see how he does. Uh, you know, he, the one thing that I like about him is that he's planning in the future because he knows that it's going to take like two or three years to sell this stuff. And that's kind of unusual for a 16-year-old to be planning two or three years into the future. Yeah, I got to tell you, this kid, he jets in, you know, no luggage, <laughs> you know, goes to the, you know, exhibit, you know, place where he's exhibiting. Then he goes to the, uh, to the banquet. You know, then buys covers, then jets home. I mean, this kid's a philatelic badass. He's <laughs> 16. Not, not only that, but he flies in with $150 and spends 250 because he's gone, gone into Hawk with his dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I really liked actually watching in the car the fact that Cash made him actually do a contract about the $100 he borrowed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he actually he actually made him sign an IOU, mm-hmm. which is the proper thing, because he didn't seem to know it, and so his father actually talked to him. He said, no, it's not it's not the lender that has to sign it. It's the borrower that has to sign it. Did you explain uh, debtor's prison to him also? Uh, I, I can do worse. He's my kid. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go to debtor's prison, but your kid would. <laughs> so... What was your Mark? What was your best experience with the with the show? I guess uh, uh, buying that uh, buying that special printing was kind of kind of neat. I was actually even though the the auction was there at the show, I was on the show floor bidding with my phone um, because I didn't want to bother with you know getting a paddle and and in the, and going up to the auction room. So I was looking at uh, looking at the stamps at the same time that the auction was going on. He was buying and, dollar uh, covers. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No no covers, but just stamps. But uh, but yeah, so that was uh, that was kind of fun. So I got to add to my collection, which my want list is now down to a single page, and uh, it's 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 getting very difficult to find. That's very impressive, yeah. but it also means that everything gets much more expensive. Right. <laughs> but I was also watching the um, uh, the graded material because um, I was interested in, in 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 what the grading material was going for, and it was. Uh, uh, there was a few that uh, sold for a little bit less than SP, a few that sold for uh, over. So I would say that that on on par, the um, uh, you know the graded stuff is still still holding its own. Oh well, grade one hundred stuff is dis- just disappearing from the market. If, I mean, grade one hundred is rare anyway. Right. Pe- people think, oh well, you know, they printed a billion of this stamp or half a billion or whatever. You know, there's got to be thousands of grade 100s and you look at the population report and there's like seven yeah <laughs> you know oddly enough after the auction was over um i noticed on sunday that i i sold on hip stamp i sold three uh grade 98 stamps yep. and i'm wondering if uh, the people that bought those stamps were looking at the auction first to see if maybe they can buy them uh, the, were your stamps priced at full smq yeah full smq yeah Seem, it seemed like 98s were very hot this this show because everybody uh, I talked to an old customer uh, from the Sacramento area who stopped by and he was complaining that uh, Gary Posner had a 
slightly better, had a 98 graded uh, postage due that was better than his, that, that he had one that was 95. And uh, he wasn't sure whether he was going to buy it or not, but uh, um, he definitely was really interested in, in more in the grade than necessarily the stamp. And just real quick, grade, you know, we talk about numbers, but really numbers, we just use numbers instead of words because the words have sort of lost their meaning. So if you say fine stamp, that could mean anything to anybody. But you say grade 75 and it pops in your head, oh, it's a, it's, it's half Scott's catalog, grade 75. Grade 80 is like full Scott's catalog. Now you get like discounts and stuff like that at the 75s, 80s, 85s, but they're not very significant. So a grade 100 is actually a gem stamp. Now you can have a person say, oh, this stamp is a gem stamp. Just ignore the tear and the short perfs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you go, well, then it's not a gem stamp. And that's, that's sort of why you use the number is because the words have sort of lost their meaning. Grade 98 is superb. So a superb stamp is not the highest grade, but it's superb. And again, you know, you have people, oh, this stamp is superb, except for the tear. It's like, mm, well, no, it's, it's not superb mm -hmm. then. Kind of a customer that told me that they preferred 95Js over 98s. Yeah. Because the uh, the ninety five J's just look so much bigger and more impressive, and still very well centered. Uh, I have to agree with them. Plus, the J just makes a really really nice big stamp. Whereas a ninety eight J, you're getting into like cost prohibitive territory. Yeah, yeah, and there's very few of those. Yeah, just like there's very few hundred J's. Yeah, I had a client who sold his collection in a single name sale at Rumsey, and he had mostly nineties and ninety fives, and they all basically performed. Yeah. That was that was really a good test because his was in, mostly in classics, and stuff that was used before uh, before uh, the 1890 issue. Yeah, well, we'll see over the next year or two, because you know if you've been listening to this podcast, you know how I feel about the inflation versus recession versus pricing, and. If my crystal ball, which I just shined up the other day, so it should be working properly. Uh, if it's correct, then uh, you're going to see inflation greatly impacting the higher end of the market, forcing it much, much, much higher. My cash, were you looking for any prestige stamps at the show? I bought from Mark Easter 17 white plane sheets. So you're cornering the market? And he also threw in a uh, cattle in the storm that had a little hin uh, thin spot, but really nicely centered. Were you looking for number ones as well? A superb. I didn't. Except for the thin. Nobody had any All number the ones number on ones it. that I saw were horrendously overpriced for a condition. Wow. And there was only a handful of them. Now, be aware that the last show Hip Stamp was at, they went around and just vacuumed up all the number ones so him being there today again it looked like what he was going after this time was zeppelins which i totally understand um i think that the white plane sheet is a prestige item 
and Mark Easter had 17 mint never hinged ones. So I uh, said, okay, there, there's, there's my big purchase for the show. And just FYI, I paid just a shy over one-third of catalog each for them. So. so you spent your whole allowance on the first <laughs> hour of the first day. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> actually, yes. While we were unloading to get uh-huh. to the t- table, Mark said, come over here. I have something for you. I said, hold on. Let me drop off this box. I dropped off the box, went to him. Within the first, before the show started, because the show opens at 10. So it's like 9.30, the show hasn't even opened yet, and I shot my wad. <laughs> yeah, but you were so pleased about it. Oh, oh I was very happy, because they all were nice. They were well-centered. Now, finding a white plane sheet that centers like grade 80 is damn near impossible, because there's 25 stamps and the perforations move all over the place. But these were nice, and they were all never hinged. They were. It was a really, really good group, and I paid eh, kind of top dollar. You know, I paid a third of catalog for a wholesale lot, and a third of catalog for a wholesale lot is on the high side. Yeah, except at the auction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I'm kidding. The problem, the problem with the white plane sheet is that they were printed at the 1926 exhibition by the bureau, and so they're uh, they're also they're all subject to uh, uh, production faults just because they couldn't control things like yeah. they could in, at at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in Washington. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, one of the reasons why the centering on them. I mean, look at the population report; you just don't see them with high grades. And again, the number one reason is there's 25 stamps there, and to get a grade 100, a vast majority of the stamps would have to be at least a grade 98 or 95, and that's just not going to happen. And the other big problem is you have horrible gum skips, horrible gum creases, well, and, that, that's, and terrible yeah, paper problems. That's why I got these. Not a single one had a gum skip. I mean, whoever got them before me went out particularly and was like obsessed with the gum and all the gum is nice and clean no gum skips no gum wrinkles or anything like that it's really nice so that's that's what i bought the, the uh, no- other than 115 dollar covers and the, the <laughs> nicest thing for me was uh, it was uh, being the great american stamp show they have a competition there called the champion of champions and they they get all the people that have won the grand award they get all the exhibits that have won the grand award at all these qualifying major shows such as Westpex or uh, Garfield Perry or uh, Sarasota or Arapex which is where where Sean won his and uh, I got a chance to see some exhibits and the interesting thing was to see some of these exhibits that I had seen a couple months ago and see how they seen how much they had improved since then well next Arapex I'm going to relay out the way that mine is I'm going to go through a major repaging on mine and I think I'm going to uh, switch all of them over to double pages too which now I have to find a bigger box to carry them in so it's interesting what previous 
champion champion award winners. Uh, Dan Ritterband had that collection of five and ten cent forty sevens. It was very impressive. Yeah, very. that was nice. Yep. Yeah, he had he had won a couple of years ago, so he had won the champion champion. So I don't know if he won the open competition, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Yeah, Tibber Mania won the, uh, won the most C popular. Won the, oh, yeah, but it also won the CSC. Yeah, but it also got the most popular. I mean, a lot of times, you you know, you get the winner of the CFC, and it's really impressive, but sometimes it's like, really impressive, but who cares? And this one was like, no, every single, I don't care. Even if you're not a stamp collector, <laughs> you're going to like this exhibit. Because the postal relics in there were first rate, too. Yeah. It was just, it had something for everybody. Which is like our podcast. Exactly like our podcast. We have podcast. something there you, there for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've talked about covers. We've talked about stamps. We've talked about emissions control. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're truly the champion of champions of podcasts in Southern Nevada. Oh, I'll, I'll <laughs> go with that, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, on that uh, very, very high praise, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this Silcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.